Hi, you've just downloaded or otherwise accessed a podcast of Cross Point Church and the teaching ministry presented through our weekly Sunday morning worship. Feel free to burn a copy of this file when you're finished and pass it along to a friend you think might also benefit from the teaching. We hope you enjoy the message today, and thanks again for taking the time to visit. You know, we throw the word love around a lot to a lot of things. I love that car. I love that house. I love that purse. I love, love those pair of shoes. Um, and none of us mean anything evil by that or wrong by that at all. And there's nothing evil or wrong about it. But sometimes it thins out what love really is. Sometimes it, it causes us, because we're so frequent to, to use that kind of language uh, directed at, at an inanimate object that's going to burn up in the end anyway. I wonder if it thins love out in our minds. And, and uh, I hope today, if you take away nothing else, you take away a deeper understanding of, of how love is supposed to be between man and man and God and man, and it thickens love. I guess is the best way I know how to put that in your mind and your heart, that it's, it's, a, it's more substantive than when you came here today. Uh, we've been talking uh, around this idea of the essentials in First John. Uh, we're in chapter 3 today, if you want to turn to chapter 3, verses 11 to 24. We looked at essential number one, really after the, the first week, when John told us, here is my account, here's why I can and should be trusted, here's... here's what I've seen, experienced, and know and understand to be true because I've walked this road with Jesus himself, with God incarnate. Here's why my account can be trusted. And so after he uh, shares that with us, we looked at the, the first essential being the essential of obedience. The second essential being the, the essential of hearing the Holy Spirit. Then last week we looked at the essential number three of knowing our identity, which brings us today to chapter three and essential number four in the fact that love does something. Love is active. It doesn't just stay dormant. It's not just a concept. It's a, it's, it's, it's march, it gives us marching orders. So let's look at this text today from the third chapter of 1 John, verses 11 to 24. For this is the message you heard from the beginning. We should love one another. Do not be like Cain, who belonged to the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own actions were evil and his brothers were righteous. Do not be surprised, my brothers and sisters, if the world hates you. We know that we have passed from death to life because we love one another. Anyone who does not love remains in death. Anyone who hates a fellow believer is a murderer, and you know that no murderers have eternal life in them. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for one another. If, if any one of you has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in you? Dear children, let us lo not love with words or tongue, but with actions and in truth. This is how we know we, we belong to the truth and how we set our hearts at rest in his presence. If our hearts condemn us, we know that God is greater than our hearts. And he knows everything. Dear friends, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence before God and receive from him anything we ask because we keep his commands 
and do what pleases him. And this is his command, to believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, to love one another as he commanded us. Those who keep his commands live in him and he in them. And this is how we know that he lives in us. We know it by the spirit he gave us. All right, three things today I want us to take away from this text. The first of which is this. Love, biblical love does what's right. Biblical love does what's right. Look back at verse 11 again. It says, this is the message we heard from him. We should love one another. Do not be like Cain who belonged to the evil one and then murdered his brother. Why did he murder him? Because his own actions were evil and his brothers were righteous. Do not be surprised. Watch this. Do not be surprised, my brothers and sisters, if the world hates you. We know we've passed from death to life because we love each other. We're to do what's right regardless of the outcome. Um, Cain was offended at, at his brother's righteousness, his brother Abel's rightness, because it exposed his wrongness. Otherwise, it wasn't offensive if, if Abel had kept that to himself, but he doesn't. And his righteousness exposes his brother's wrongness. And active love will eventually do that too. Why? Because our actions, even though done in love, will expose or can expose inaction or wrong action on the part of others. So, so you see, Tim, love, loving Actively can be offensive? Sure it can. Because it causes us to examine our own self and say, I'm not that. And so either I'm jealous and angry and bitter and respond to it in that way, or I move more toward that image. That image that that person is walking out, that, that active love, is how I need to walk out my love and, and love others actively and intentionally as well. So if it doesn't do that, oftentimes it'll push us in, in, in the other direction that jealousy and bitterness takes us. Our culture is good at making victims out of everybody because it's always somebody else's fault. It's never my, my own fault. I'm, a, I'm a, a victim here. And believers are called to help each other own our own weakness, own our own sin, uh, by, by, especially by way of confession, own our own failures and love each other beyond those failures and through those failures. So how do we do that? How do we know what's right? We talked about that two weeks ago in, the, in this combination of his word and his spirit speaking to us, exposing us to truth and resonating that truth back in our hearts to say, yes, this is true. Live this, walk this out. It, it is absolute truth for you. So biblical love does what's right. And we know what's right by way of his word and his spirit. Secondly, biblical love empties itself. Biblical love empties itself. Look at verses 16 to 18 again. It says, this is how we know what the love what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for one another. If any one of you has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in you? Dear children, let us not love with words or tongue but with actions and truth. Um, it, it, uh, when, when biblical love empties itself, it, it lives and loves with abandonment, with no sense of, of, of reserve, no sense of control, no, no, no sense of a limit to itself. The idea here is, is not that we die for one another. Scripture tells us that no greater love has this than a man laid, laid on his life for his friends, and that's true. But he's calling us here not to die for one another, but to live for one another, to live our lives by way of loving each other and, and that our loves, that, that that love for each other re reflect the love of God for us. 
to empty ourselves, to, he says here, to lay down our lives. In essence, to surrender what we have, what we want, to submit to your needs beyond what's convenient for me into what's convenient for you, what, what is best for you. The illustration here is in this sense of communal response that the early church had in the second chapter of Acts, where they, if one person had a need, the other person had to be able to meet that need within the body. That's exactly what they did. I've shared with, with folks in our Connections class, it's our pathway to membership, that we hope if you want to connect with our church, that if you live in a 4,000 square foot house, our church has just increased its square foot, it's 4,000 square feet, if you want to be a part of, a, part of this church, because we want you to think in terms of, of the church having a part of your life and exposing your life and your world back to the church such that um, Rob bought a pontoon boat last year. So we've all got a pontoon boat that, that we can use. And, and that's the idea that's conveyed here to say, you know, if you have a need and I have the ability to meet that need, that's what we're called to do. That's how we're called to love. Um, that, that's hard to do if you see what you have as yours. It's much easier to do if you see all you have as God's. And that is a perspective, I think, that's taught from the times, you know, kids are this, this age. As the older they get, the more mine they get. That's mine, 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 mine. If they're taught all, all that, from that age, all that they have is God's, um, and all that all, any of us have is God's, then it's, that's a much easier concept for them to carry into adulthood. Uh, so for our kids and grandkids, we need to, to model that and show that. Uh, love is a show-me proposition. That's what he talks about in verse 18. Dear children, let us not love with words or tongue, but in actions and in truth. Love is a show-me proposition. It's only when we're willing to empty ourselves that we discover the fullness of God. It's only when we're willing to empty ourselves that we discover how full our God is. Love empties itself for, for the benefit of others in the kingdom itself. Biblical love does what's right. It empties itself. Thirdly, biblical love finds its motivation in truth. It finds its motivation in truth. Let's look at, pick up in verse 19 again, uh, or 21 rather. It says, Dear friends, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence before God and receive from Him anything we ask because we keep His commands and do what pleases Him. And this is His command, to believe in the name of His Son, Jesus Christ, to love one another as He, as he commanded us, those who keep his commands, live in him, and he in them, and we know that he lives in us by the spirit he gave us. Uh, as, as biblical love finds its motivation in truth, there are three things about biblical love I think that's true that this passage teaches us. Biblical or Christ-like love is rooted in the word of God. It is fueled by the word of God and reveals the word of God. Loving that way, biblical Christ-like love is rooted in the word of God, it's fueled by the word of God, and reveals the Word of God. It's not motivated by feelings. It's not motivated by what we can get out of it, what, what return there is coming back to me, um, but out of our, our relationship to Christ. How do we know we're living and loving as Jesus lived and loved and would live and love? His Spirit, this passage says, confirms that to our hearts. If we're living and loving as He lived and loved, His Spirit will confirm that to us. It's far easier to love well when we know we're loved well. When, when we know we're loved well, that, that grows out of a, a full love tank. I've done 
and spoken at several marriage conferences. And I will always usually refer to uh, Dr. Gary Chapman's book, The Five Love Languages, and encourage couples to, to regardless of what their love language is, to, to love that, that, that spouse well. And, and, and whether it's gifts or acts of service or physical touch, quality time, or words of affirmation, if we pour those things into our spouse, if we understand that's their love language and pour those things into our spouse, our spouse is going to have a full love tank. And I often admonish guys, husbands, <clears throat> in this way. You can tell by the countenance of your wife how well she's loved. Everywhere she goes and her attitude, her facial expression and countenance is kind of like this. You need to fill her love tank up because she's, that love tank's not full. If that, if that love tank is full, you'll see it expressed in her countenance. You'll, you'll hear it out of her conversation. And that's the kind of thing he's talking about here in this passage to say, when you are loved well, it's far easier for you to love well. When you're loved fully, it's easier for you to love fully. Uh, Christ's life and death are vivid remind, reminders of how well we're loved. Uh, but we should not only see that in him, we should see that in each other as well. We should see that here each week when we show up in this place. We should see that in the homes that we live in. We should see that in our workplaces, wherever those workplaces are, that ought to come out and, and be exposed in those ways to where it's not conjured up or it's not some kind of hype that we're doing. But that's the natural way we love each other by, by living ourselves for the benefit of each other and emptying ourselves into each other's lives and each other's worlds. Love that is only verbal is good. Don't, don't stop telling people you love them. A love that's only verbal just goes so far and it doesn't look like this passage we're talking about today from 1 John chapter 3. Because love that's, that's beyond verbal is it, it, a love that does what's right and a love that empties itself and the love that is obedient to truth, it's active. And an active love, is, it shows up. It's, it's seen, it's noticed. And that's not why we do it, but it, it is noticed. It makes itself known. Uh, biblical love does something. It doesn't just stand on the sidelines and, and, and wish for better, wish we could love better. It's active, it's engaged, it's, it's participatory. It's, it, it forces us to, to, to engage and be involved in someone else's life intentionally as we love with intentionality. So let me ask this question in response to these three things. The question is this, am I content to live a thin veneer when it comes to biblical love or do I want to go deeper? Am I content to stay in just verbal love and live the veneer of, hey man, I love you, love you. Or do I want to step deeper and be involved in their life? Help own some of their failures. Help them walk through some hard places, some hard times. See, see them through a, a rough patch in life, a patch where life isn't working, where, where maybe a marriage is in trouble or there's financial failure or job loss. When I'm going to engage that person and not just tell them I love them and I'm praying for them, but, but walk with them through, through some valleys and through some hard places, uh, that, that testimony, not only in their life, but in ours, in our families, in their families, in the ripple effect that those, both those families have in other people's lives, that witness is a loud and resounding witness. That's how we're called to love uh, each other. Other than that, love becomes well-intended, but a thin veneer when always... Can, can, can come out of it is from a verbal standpoint. So what are we left with today? There's three blanks on your, on your sheet of paper. 
in those three blanks, I, I left those blank because I want you to think about and write down the names of three people that the Holy Spirit's telling you this morning you need to do a better job at actively loving, at actively engaging, actively walking with. Put the names of those three people down on, on, on that, and I'll, I'm going to give you a second to do that. Go ahead. Now, as you do that, as you, you, you're responding to the Holy Spirit's leadership, that's hearing the Holy Spirit, essential number two that we talked about two weeks ago. Now, as you have written them down on a piece of paper, the challenge tomorrow and the next day and the next day beyond that is to live that out. Not just that their names on a paper, but I start to engage those people in, in a different kind of love, in a more active kind of love. That's responding to essential number one that we looked at three weeks ago in, in this essential of obedience. Um, it, it's, um, and this is, it gets richer because in chapter four that we're going to begin next week, it tells us that it's impossible to love apart from knowing God, apart from knowing Christ. So let me go ahead and throw out a controversial truth that I've shared out of this <coughs> passage before in, in small groups and other things. If it's impossible to love without knowing God, and that's what his word says, what is it, what is it that lost mothers who aren't believers have for their children? What is it that lost friends, lost family members have for their, their friends and family? If it's not love, what is it? We're going to scratch that open next week. Because we need to know God to know love. To have the ability to love. To have the capacity to love. We can have affection. And we'll look at some other forms of that next week. We can have, have affection. We can have a deep feeling and emotion even for, for others. But real love comes from knowing a real God and walking with Him. Thanks again for listening to today's message from Cross Point Church, helping people navigate the journey toward an authentic, biblical, and contagious walk with Christ.